Today in the Journey with Steve DeWitt, a message from Luke chapter 19. Zacchaeus found in Jesus something and somebody so absolutely unique and absolutely wonderful that he believed him to be the Messiah and the Son of God and his personal Savior. And the wonderfulness of Jesus placed him now above his money on the throne of his heart. Zacchaeus was a tax collector known for his greed and exploitation. But after he encountered Jesus, he became a symbol of redemption and generosity. Welcome to The Journey with Steve DeWitt. Today, Pastor Steve shares a message from the book of Luke about this radical transformation and the profound lessons it offers about generosity. Listen online at thejourney.fm. If you have your Bible, turn to Luke chapter 19, verse 2, as we join Pastor Steve for the conclusion of a message titled, Money, a Little Man, and Jesus. And behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was rich. And he was seeking to see who Jesus was, but on account of the crowd, he could not, because he was small in stature. Now here we have the infamous Zacchaeus, and we find here Luke including three details about this fellow. First of all, it says he was a chief tax collector. And so in the social ladder, guess who were the bottom of the barrel? It was the tax collectors. They were thought of essentially as being thieves, uh, scoundrels, and traitors. And why were they considered that? Well, they worked for the Romans. And so to work for the Romans was really to be the bottom of the barrel. I mean, that was, that was the Benedict. They were the Benedict Arnolds. They were the traitors. I can't believe that any good Jew would take money from Jews and give it to the Romans. And added to that was the fact that because of this corruption, these tax collectors became personally wealthy. The last thing that Luke highlights is probably the thing that Zacchaeus is famous for, uh, and that is that he was small in stature. Zacchaeus desperately wants to see Jesus. There's a massive crowd. Jesus is passing through town. He can't see anything. And so what does he do? Notice verse four. He ran ahead and climbed up in a sycamore tree to see him, for he was about to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for I must stay at your house today. So he hurried and came down and received him joyfully. And the text says that he says, Zacchaeus, hurry down, for I must stay at your house today. The emphasis of that word there, notice it says that I must stay at your house today. It's a little odd. You expect him to say, hey, I'd like to stay at your house today. Or, hey, would you mind if I came over for dinner? He doesn't say that. And the Greek word there is an interesting word. It's a strong word. It's not, I'd like to stay at your house. I have to stay at your house. Zacchaeus receives him with joy. Verse 8, and Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor. And if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I restore it fourfold. 
And Jesus said to him, today salvation has come to this house, since he is also, he being Zacchaeus, is also a son of Abraham. For the son of man, key verse, came to seek and to save the lost. And what he has to say, it's no passing comment here. He Basically, he confesses his sin and makes two vows as signs of his repentance. First, he gives half of all that he has to the poor. He had defrauded many people. And he says, if I have defrauded anyone, I give it back fourfold. And Jesus' response here is that Zacchaeus is a true son of Abraham. In other words, he is a true son of faith. And then he adds this, the son of man came to seek and to save the lost. And Zacchaeus is held up as the kind of person that Jesus came to save. Now don't misread this to say that in order to be saved, you have to give away half of all that you have and you have to uh, make restitution for everything that you've done wrong. He wasn't saved because he did these things. Rather, salvation came to Zacchaeus' house because Jesus came to Zacchaeus' heart. The power of this story is the effect that this new relationship with Jesus had on Zacchaeus. Money had always been his idol. It had always been his obsession. He had, he had basically given up all the other things in his life in order to have money. And again, I wonder if that might sound familiar to you. Of all the idols in this world, and there are many of them, I would have to say, especially in our culture, money is at the top. Now, the Bible doesn't say that there's anything wrong with money. Money is neutral. It is the love of money that is the root of all kinds of evil. 1 Timothy 6.10. And the reason for that is for a sinner, money is so easy to love. It provides all the things that we think that we want. When I have money, I have security. When I have money, I have a sense of self-worth. When I have money, I have a sense of superiority over others who don't have money or don't have the things that money can buy. When I have money, I have self-reliance. I am the God of my world. I am in charge because I can buy what I need. I have money. And that was Zacchaeus's lifestyle. And I think Zacchaeus would fit in quite well around here, don't you think? You put him in any corporation or any place really in the American society, he looks a lot like everybody else who are trying desperately to find meaning and significance in the accumulation of things. While money is neutral, where money sits in our priorities reveals who is our God. Jesus said it this way, no man can serve two masters. He will either love the one and hate the other, or he will hate the one and love the other. No man can serve both God and mammon, God and money. And the reason for this, friends, is that in your heart there is only one throne, and there is only one thing or person that can reign on the throne of your heart. And Zacchaeus, his whole life, 
Money reigned on the throne of his life. It was his obsession. It was his motivation. It was his God. It was where he got his meaning and his identity. Until one day, Jesus came into town. And Jesus said what nobody else would say, I want to come to your house. And we can only assume that while Jesus was at Zacchaeus' house, he was speaking spiritual truth to him. And Zacchaeus found in Jesus something and somebody so absolutely unique and absolutely wonderful that he believed him to be the Messiah and the Son of God and his personal Savior. And the wonderfulness of Jesus placed him now above his money on the throne of his heart. And with that, he thought to himself, how can I live for money anymore now that I have met someone like Christ? And with eyes of faith and a heart treasuring Jesus above all things, money was out and Jesus became the treasure of his life, his worship, his savior, and his God. And you say, well, how do you know that? Look at what he does with his old God. What does he do with his money? He uses it to right past wrongs and he freely gives it to meet the needs of others. Half of all I have, I give to the poor and I repay anyone I wronged four times over. Friends, when greedy people become generous, something radical has happened. It's like when you, when you see drug users throw their drugs away or uh, porn lovers throwing their porn away, or greedy, obsessed tax collectors giving away half of what they have to meet the needs of others, something big has happened. And I'll tell you what happened in Zacchaeus' life. Jesus became his treasure. Jesus became his treasure. And when that new affection took over, the old idol of money became disposable. Here's what I'm saying. What Zacchaeus did with his old idol of money evidenced his true conversion. Let me say that again. What Zacchaeus did with his old idol money evidenced his true conversion. Imagine the story. Let's just say the whole story is the same. Jesus comes into Jericho, big crowd, short man, Climbs the tree, going to your house, goes to the house. Jesus leaves the next day. Zacchaeus goes back to his cartel, corrupt, extorting job the next day. Do we look at this story and think to ourselves, boy, Zacchaeus, what a man, he, he was saved by the visit of Jesus. No, you don't say that. Why? Because his life would evidence that he must not really be treasuring Jesus because he's back loving money. What he did with his money said it all. And that is why Jesus taught about money so much. It's because what we do with our money more than perhaps anything else evidences who or what is on the throne of our hearts. Enthroned Jesus produces generous Christians. Whenever you have a moment 
where in order for kingdom advancement to happen, for people to be reached with the gospel, for the, the name and fame of Jesus to be extended beyond where it is, needs financial support. It is one of those litmus tests for the church and for the people of the church of who is on the throne of your heart, just like Zacchaeus did with his money in Jericho. This is a challenge, isn't it? And I speak as one of you, uh, truly, in this. Because money is, it's an ongoing surrender, isn't it? As it relates to money. And I, I know this well in my own life and in my own story. And if I could just share something personal from my own struggle with this, um, I, I, I hope maybe this would be helpful. Um, Many years ago, 14, 15 years ago, I was the pastor of this church, and you know, one of the things about being a pastor, and it was true for me, is that you get, you get asked to do things, you know, kind of special things, outside things. So, hey, will you come, will you do this funeral, or will you, will you do this wedding, or will you speak at this event, this or that, whatever it might be. And oftentimes, um, especially when it's something kind of beyond the norm, there oftentimes is a financial gift, an honorarium that comes along with that. And I found myself struggling when I was getting these invitations to do these things, not, I was struggling with calculating whether I did them or not based upon what it would mean financially, not necessarily spiritually, although that was in there probably, but financially. And I, my conscience bothered me about this. It kept pestering me like, you shouldn't be considering these things based upon whether or not you're going to be paid for it or what's, how much they're going to pay you for doing it. I didn't go into the ministry. I came, went into the ministry to serve Jesus and threw a pine cone in the fire and off we go and all the rest. And yet I found in the process of this, this conscientious struggle in my heart. And I finally decided, it bothered me so much, I finally decided that I've got to figure out a way where I am evaluating these things and doing these things without regard to what it means financially. And the only way that I could figure out to do that was if I gave away all of the whatever came in. And so I decided that's what I'm going to do. And I've done that over all these years now, and I gotta tell you, it fixed it like that. It really did. All of a sudden, I was not, didn't even have to think about it. I don't, I, I don't get to keep it anyway, so it doesn't matter whether or not or what it is. I can just think about what's best and, and what a joy that produced in me to be, just be free of that whole consideration. On top of that, over the years then, I've had this money that I can use in special ways to do little projects, help this little kingdom work out, do something here or there. And here's the thing, friends, when we give it, 
away. It forces money off the throne of our hearts. And you might say, oh, there's other ways you can do it. I don't think so. And there's certainly no way that is better to get money off the throne of the heart than to give it away. And then on top of that, as Jesus said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. It's better to to give than to have. Whatever you give, you get more joy out of the giving than in the having, is what Jesus is saying with that. And I will tell you, that's true. That money for me, it's been like play money. Fun money. End of the year, here, you have this, and you have that, and you take that, and off they go, and I feel good about it, and yay, and fun. Fun. A joy. Now, I need to add this. I've often thought if I ever had a kid, I might use that money for, my, for her education. So, hello. <laughs> Just sharing that because I might end up doing that. But what a help it's been for many years. <laughs> but let me ask you, what have you done in your life to dethrone money or your love for money? Or like Zacchaeus, to evidence that Jesus is your true treasure. There's an old Puritan named Thomas Chalmers who wrote a long article entitled, The Expulsive Power of a New Affection. The Puritans had great titles for the things that they wrote. And uh, it's still read because it's still true, and you can look it up online if you'd like. I'd like to read just a portion of it because he talks in it his basic point is, is that the, the way that you get rid of the old sinful affection is, that, is the expulsive power of a new and a greater affection, that the one expulses the other. He says it here, the love of God and the love of the world are two affections, not merely in a state of rivalship, but in a state of enmity. And that's so irreconcilable that they cannot dwell together in the same bosom. We have already affirmed how impossible it were for the heart, by any innate elasticity of its own, to cast the world away from it and thus reduce itself to a wilderness. The heart is not so constituted. And the only way to dispossess it of an old affection is by the expulsive power of a new one. Nothing can exceed the magnitude of the required change in a man's character. When bidden as he is in the New Testament, to love not the world, no, nor any of the things that are in the world, for this so comprehends all that is dear to him in existence as to be the equivalent of a command to self-annihilation. That's one you might need to read a few times. But if you get what he's saying, the natural man by himself will never give up the old affection. And if you argue with him, you tell him why it's bad, much like even this message, for some of you, it's probably falling on deaf ears. You don't care, you love money. I can, I can preach all night long, and I'm not gonna change your mind. What really needs to happen is not for you to have 15 reasons that you shouldn't love money. What needs to happen is that you need to love Christ. And the expulsive power of the new affection will remove the old one from the throne of the heart, and nothing is as effective as that. Now we're not told what happened to Zacchaeus. That's the end of the story. He's never mentioned again. But I have to believe an honest mob boss doesn't last long. 
And so he, he possibly lost everything because of this commitment. But we add him to the famous list, don't we? Like Mary, who brought him in her very expensive perfume and poured it over Jesus. Like Moses, who Hebrews says, considered the reproach of Christ greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking to the reward. Like the disciples, who left everything to follow Jesus. And like every single hero in the Christian story, who was willing to give up everything for the sake of Christ, Zacchaeus is in that pantheon of heroes. And of course, let us not forget the ultimate example of this, which is Christ himself. 2 Corinthians 8, 9, for you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that by his poverty, that you by his poverty might become rich. I don't want you walking out of here admiring Zacchaeus. Whatever you admire in Zacchaeus, Jesus has to the nth degree. He left his throne in heaven. He left riches in heaven. And he came into this world impoverished in the human experience, taking on a human body. And he gave his life as a ransom for many, the ultimate self-giving for the good and joy of others. He died for our salvation. He gave of himself, not half of his possessions, everything he gave in order to ransom us from our sin. So I just wonder if God might not use this season in our church. Mission them, you know, the, the giving of time, talents, and treasures that this is going to require for this next chapter to be fulfilled. I wonder if God might not use this season in all of our hearts to remove the old enemy of money and to expulse it with a holy new affection and love for Christ. I hope that he does. Now one final word. When you meet Zacchaeus in heaven, don't sing the song to him. He's going to hear it a million times. Here's what I want the Bethelonians to do. To thank him for his example. To tell him how God used it. And I hope that we as a church follow in his holy example. Amen. Amen. That was Pastor Steve DeWitt, reminding us of the impact that encountering Christ can have on our attitude toward wealth and generosity. You're listening to The Journey and the conclusion of a message titled, Money, a Little Man, and Jesus. If you'd like to replay it or share it with a friend, visit us online at thejourney.fm. And while you're there, look for our recommended Bible study plan that complements our study on generosity. TheJourney.fm is also where you can find our complete message archive. Shoot us an email, discover relevant studies, or connect with our online community. Again, that's TheJourney.fm. Well, here at The Journey, our mission is to guide you in your faith towards the unchanging truth found in God's Word. That's why each day on the radio and web, we take our listeners into the depth of Scripture while making the truth easy to understand and applicable to daily life. But as a listener-supported program, 
We couldn't do it without you. The journey relies in part on the financial gifts of generous friends just like you. And that allows us to share the truth of the gospel to listeners all around the country. So would you join hands with us in our mission today? You can call 844-7-JOURNEY. That's 844-756-8763. Or give online at thejourney.fm. And when you give today, we'll say thank you by sending you a book by best-selling author Randy Elkhorn. It's called The Treasure Principle, and in it, Elkhorn helps unlock the secret of joyful giving. If you desire a fuller and more satisfying life, discover how the joy of giving can make your life richer starting today. Request your copy of The Treasure Principle by calling 844-7-JOURNEY. That's 844-756-8763. Or visit thejourney.fm. Well, that's all our time for today. I'm Tim Svoboda. Join us tomorrow when Pastor Steve shares a message titled, How to Be Poor. That's Friday on The Journey. Today's program was produced and furnished by Bethel Church in Crown Point, Indiana.